You are listening to Rockwell Church in Virginia, Minnesota. Find us online at rockwell.church. Now, here is today's encouraging message from Pastor Chris Tyen. But this is about closure. It's in this passage that we're going to read. It's about pretty much closure for Joseph in the Old Testament. Joseph's wicked, evil brothers who did something so terrible. They couldn't tell their dad. They lied to their dad. Actually, they sold Joseph. They were going to kill him. They sold him off into, into slavery. And they've been keeping this secret for 20 years. Can you imagine all the brothers keeping this intense secret from their dad for, for 20 years? I mean, Joseph was 17 when he was sold off into slavery. And now, uh, 20 years later, uh, the brothers are going to show up right in front of Joseph. How will Joseph deal with that? What will, what will happen? So the first thing we need to do uh, in your notes is you need to take that section there that says B. Uh, so it's got four ways we miss out on closure when we are. You need to cross that out because I would have to talk really fast to do section B. And um, I'm going to try not to. I'm going to try not to talk really fast. But there are a lot of scripture passages to read. But I don't know if you, and you don't have to jump up and tell us, if you struggle with anything from your past. Maybe there's something in your past that's bad that you need forgiveness from, that you wish you could get closure because God can still use you. God does not put you on the shelf for all eternity because you messed up somewhere in the past. Maybe there is a time to seek re reconciliation. Maybe there's a time to make things right. Maybe there is a time to get closure on your past so that you can have a great future. Years ago, there was someone sitting in the church that had done something terrible and come under conviction and said, oh, you know what? I'm going to turn myself in for that crime that I committed. It was an unsolved mystery. Nobody knew who did it. And so he said he was, he was done running and looking over his shoulder that he was going to go confess and turn himself in. And maybe that's what you need to do to get closure. This is a mysterious passage, an intense passage in scripture when we read it because God promised Abraham that he was going to be the father of many nations. And then he finally had a son, Isaac, who had Jacob, who had all these boys. And Joseph is one of them. They don't get along. Uh, everything's a mess. They're about to starve. And there's Joseph sitting in Egypt, um, helping feed the world. And as I'm going to read the passages, but one of the mysteries that I look at when I, when I look at the story of Joseph is, okay, so he was in prison, probably couldn't write home, tell his dad that he was still alive. I get that. But then he's the second most powerful in all Egypt. Whatever he says goes. Why couldn't he send the Pony Express out to his dad's house and say, hey, pops, I'm still alive. I'm in Egypt. Come visit sometimes. But he didn't. So um, I was looking into a Bible commentary about it. And uh, when Joseph, when he was young and he had those dreams that his brothers were going to bow down to him. And then again, another dream that his, his brother and, and parents were going to bow down to him. That um, the commentary said that Joseph 
saw those as literal, literal prophecies of what needed to be. So he was waiting for that to happen. And when we look in the passages today, we're going to see um, Joseph realizes his dream. So I, I've, you know, it just blows my mind that you went like send a communication, but I guess it's what God wanted, but we need closure. So we need to close the books on unresolved guilt and shame because those loose ends only guarantee misery. There's a lot more information in this book, The Secrets to a Happy Life, that uh, talk more about this and uh, in different avenues of it. Uh, it's like a commentary and a um, interesting uh, many stories about Bill Giovanetti. Those are available for seven bucks on the table back there. But we, first of all, need to see four things that God does to help us, to help you and I to bring closure to our past, to bring closure to our past. Some of the things that we did before we got saved, we can pass off and say, well, you know, we weren't saved then, we didn't know any better, that was bad, but whatever. Uh, other things we've done in the past were bad, we were saved, we did know better, and maybe we need to be forgiven of that, or maybe we need to forgive someone else. Ephesians 4.26 says, don't, let, don't sin by letting anger control you, don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. And so we're not supposed to keep anger, we're supposed to be quick to forgive, but in this process, Joseph doesn't just say, hey guys, hey, hey it's me, look, hey, it's, it's your brother that you sold off into slavery, we're good, we're good, good to see you. He doesn't do that at all, instead he tests them, and uh, he's mean to them to begin with. It's really an interesting process to bring them to repentance. So number one, God brings you back to your true identity. God brings you back to your true identity. So there's this famine. It's like 1700 BC. The world is starving, but Joseph uh, has been used by God to store up enough food over a seven-year period to feed the world. And so Jacob tells the boys, why don't you go down to Egypt and get some food? And they're like, uh, where? Uh, no, um, because that's connected to what they did to Joseph. So, all right, so help me along with the slides there. When Jacob learned that there was grain in Egypt, he said to his sons, why do you just keep looking at each other? He continued, I've heard there's grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy some for us so that we may live and not die. Then 10 of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain from Egypt, but Jacob did not send Benjamin, Joseph's brother, with the others because he was afraid that harm might come to him. So Israel's sons were among those who went to buy grain, for there was a famine in the land of Canaan also. So first he says, sons, Jacob's sons. And then he, the text says, Moses writes, Joseph's brothers, and then he points out the sons of Israel. So somehow, God needs to miraculously turn this mess of a family into the future tribes of Israel. He needs to somehow take these guys, these brothers who have lived in guilt and don't know how they can go on, and turn them into uh, people that are thinking about the things of God, thinking about people that can serve God, knowing that there's a hope in a future for them. Um, 
In Psalm 32 and Psalm 51, David repents of his sin with Bathsheba, but it took a while for him to come along and confess it. It took a while for, Joseph, or for David to quit ignoring that he had killed uh, Bathsheba's husband and all this mess that he had. He tried to cover it up. He tried to hide it, and he was miserable. And I'm pretty sure that um, Joseph's brothers were also miserable because of their secret sin. So God brings them back to their true identity. Um, some people think that they've done so much, they've sinned so much that they're beyond forgiveness, that they're beyond God's power, that they're beyond God's redemption, that they can't be used by God anymore. But when there's forgiveness, when there's reconciliation, when we get closure, we can move forward and say, yes, that was me. Yes, I did that. Yes, that was wrong or embarrassing. Um, wicked, but I asked God to forgive me, and I asked whoever else uh, might have been involved, maybe, uh, to forgive me. And um, sometimes, if somebody has died, uh, you can't really get closure. You can still pray about it and work your, your work your way through it. But the Bible says, if we confess our sins in First John one nine, he's, Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us of those sins and to cleanse us. Uh, to purify us, to make us righteous. So God brings the brothers back to the thoughts, to the time, to remember what they did to Joseph. They have no idea that they're going to run into Joseph. And when they come face to face with them, they don't even really know that it's him. But God put them in a desperate situation. God forced their hand. It wasn't an option. They had to go to Egypt because they were going to starve to death if they didn't. There was no food in Canaan. There was no food all around, but there was food stored up in Egypt. And God had, as you know uh, from the past weeks, God had put them uh, put Joseph in charge of that. So God made it possible to provide for physical needs. Um, little did they realize their spiritual needs will be met as well. So this is a longer passage, but God confronts you with the truth about yourself. God confronts you with the truth about yourself. So I've, I've noticed that if you had a hard time in life, uh, something happened in your life that was difficult, and you have kids or you're around kids or whatever, and they get to be that same age, you start to remember things that are, you know, that you, are, are difficult or hard or make you question. And it's good to deal with it. It's good to uh, be quick to offer forgiveness. It's good to uh, sometimes, for, it's good to forgive yourself. So, but God confronts with the truth about yourself. This is a longer passage, but now Joseph was the governor of the land, the person who sold grain to all its people. So when Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. As soon as Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them, but he pretended to be a stranger and spoke harshly to them. Where do you come from? He asked. Uh, from the land of Canaan, they replied, to buy food. Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they didn't recognize him. Then he remembered his dreams about them. Can you imagine that? It's like, wait a second. My dream is coming true right now. This is happening. And, but he continues on. And I think he's continuing on with wisdom from the Lord to treat his, to treat his brothers this way. 
So I remembered his dreams about them and said to them, you are spies. You have come to see where our land is unprotected. No, my Lord, they answered. Your servants have come to buy food. We are all the sons of one man. Your servants are honest men, not spies. I'm pretty sure that Joseph could have just about fallen off of his chairs laughing at that one. <laughs> honest men. Uh, yeah, right. No, he said to them, you've come to see where our land is unprotected. But they replied, your servants were 12 brothers, the sons of one man who lives in the land of Canaan. The youngest is now with our father and one is no more. So um, I think Joseph is testing the waters to see what kind of men these are and what they say about him. So it appears they just included him in the list of brothers. Joseph said to them, it is just as I told you, you are spies, and this is how you will be tested. As surely as Pharaoh lives, you will not leave this place unless your youngest brother comes here. Send one of your number to get your brother. The rest of you will be kept in prison so that your words may be tested to see if you are telling the truth. If not, then as surely as Pharaoh lives, you are spies. And he put them all in custody for three days. On the third day, Joseph said to them, do this and you will live, for I fear God if you are honest men, let one of your brothers stay here in prison while the rest of you go and take grain back for your starving households. But you must bring your youngest brother to me so that your words may be verified and that you may not die. They proceeded to, this they proceeded to do. They said to one another, surely we are being punished because of our brother. We saw how distressed he was when he pleaded with us for his life, but we would not listen that's why this distress has come on us, Reuben replied. Didn't I tell you not to sin against the boy? But you wouldn't listen. Now we must give an accounting for his blood. So they had been kept in prison like Joseph was thrown into the pit and thrown into prison and had that experience. They had time to think about it. They had time to talk about it. They realized that they were in trouble. And then it dawned on them that this wasn't a random happening, but they had made the God of the universe angry and God was getting retribution, that their sins were being paid back, that they were realizing that they've sinned against God and now God has turned his face against them. When we're Christ followers, when we're, when we're truly saved, I believe that we're always saved, but I also know in the book of Hebrews that it said God disciplines those whom he loves. And sometimes discipline can be difficult. Sometimes discipline can be sickness, financial difficulty, life difficulty. Um, all these different things can be a form of God's discipline. And so here, um, these are God's chosen people, and he's going to discipline them. He's going to let them sweat. He's going to let them, um, through Joseph, uh, realize what they've done uh, and how messed up it is. I mean, they feel guilty because they are guilty. Uh, they haven't admitted that they're guilty. They've never told their father what they did. Uh, they didn't tell Joseph, you know, what exactly had happened. But if we have unforgiveness in our life, if we are feeling guilty for something that happened in the past, we can be bitter. We can be quick to have um, broken relationships or um, it's tough when we go, when we go through life. Uh, sometimes it's us, like Joseph, who have been hurt, who have gone through abuse or difficulty. We've been, we've been robbed, we've been cheated, we've been lied to. 
And we need, again, to be quick to forgive. Uh, Jesus said that in our anger, don't sin. But sometimes there needs to be uh, boundaries and a process. And that doesn't mean that we just have to run around and just say, oh, that was terrible. You really hurt me, but I forgive you. Praise God. Uh, sometimes there needs to be a process. Sometimes there needs to be a confrontation. Sometimes there needs to be uh, time to work through it. Sometimes there needs to be a time to build trust. You can be married for 30 years and lose trust in less than an hour. Trust that is next to impossible to get back. So Joseph doesn't pretend that the things of the past didn't happen. Joseph doesn't pretend that um, everything's okay because it's not okay. I can't imagine actually what happened in their family, what it was like when um, Jacob finds out that Joseph has been alive this whole time and all of his sons kept the lie for that long. It's crazy. So anyway, so when a Bible commentator says that when Joseph calls them spies, a spy is someone who is deceptive. They are not, he's saying, you're not what you seem to be. And he's right. So they seem to be decent, hardworking family men. Uh, they don't seem to be betrayers of their little brother and their own father. They're not as innocent as they seem. When Joseph calls them spies, he's basically right. So... Um, <clears throat> Joseph is hard on them, but there's a reason. Uh, Joseph wants to find out how they're going to respond. Joseph wants to see what kind of character they, they have now. Joseph wants to see that when they're pressed on um, certain issues, if they'll be quick to be liars and deceivers, or if they'll do what's right, if they'll say what's right, if they're repentant, if they've changed. So, um, God uses prison time to help them face reality when they said to one another, we're truly guilty concerning our brother. Um, yeah, guilt. Guilt and fear and wondering what comes next. So, sometimes when we've gone through hard things, when we've done bad things, we're always wondering when we're going to get caught or when the law is going to catch up to us or when God's going to discipline us. And I found that God is merciful and he doesn't always treat us as our sins deserve. He's quick to forgive, but he is more likely to discipline unconfessed sin. So Bill Bright from Campus Crusade, or now called Crew, um, had written years ago that at night, when you uh, remember the day as you're praying, to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal any sin uh, that you've committed during that time or uh, that's between you and God. And confess that then. Ask God to help you to not do that again, to forgive you and to help you to do the right things in the future. But not to pick over your life with a fine-tooth comb and, you know, point out every little tiny thing that you did that was what was imperfect that could destroy you but instead of judgment instead of harshness God shows us grace and Joseph shows grace number three God shows you grace 
So Joseph is in this situation. Joseph is watching all of this happen. Joseph is face to face with his brothers and they're telling them the story and he can hear, he can understand them. They don't know that he speaks their language. So they're probably just talking, you know, right in front of him, not knowing that he can understand, which reminds me of a story of an old grandma who uh, would always sit in the middle of the family gatherings and the kids, the, the, the family, they would talk in front of grandma, say whatever, because they're like, oh, don't worry about her. She's deaf. And what she revealed right before she died, she's like, and by the way, I can hear everything. And so she pretended to be deaf and she could actually hear everything. And Joseph was able to hear and it caused him to grieve. It caused him sadness. So they did not realize that Joseph could understand them since he was using an interpreter. So uh, number number three, God shows us grace. Um, He turned from them and began to weep, but then came back and spoke to them again. He had Simeon taken from them and bound before their eyes. Joseph gave orders to fill their bags with grain and to put each man's silver back in his sack and to give them provisions for their journey. After this was done for, after this was done for them, they loaded their grain on their donkeys and left. At the place where they stopped for the night, one of them opened his sack to get feed for his donkey, and he saw his silver in the mouth of his sack. My silver has been returned, he said to his brothers. Here it is in my sack. And their hearts sank, and they turned to each other, trembling, and said, What is this that God has done to us? So again, it's not focused on just what's happening now it's what, what is God doing to us? What, how is God paying us back? What, what is God doing? And actually, Joseph showed them grace. He was weeping for them. Um, he gave them grain. He put the money back in the sacks. He supplied provisions for their journey. He had his servants load their donkeys. So, but my silver has been returned. It's in my sack. What has God done to us. So they finally realize that, that God is doing something, but they have what they need. God is providing for them, even though they're, they haven't repented yet. They're still in the process of it. And sometimes when we are messed up and in need of forgiveness, God shines his grace and love and provision on us, waiting, waiting for us to turn to him, waiting for us to turn to him because God loves us so much. And it is a great thing to fear the Lord. It's an even better thing to love the Lord and uh, know he's a great heavenly father who cares so much about us. So God provides. So if our heart is tied up in guilt, we'll never feel contentment until we find forgiveness, until we realize that uh, God can, can make us right in his sight. So we don't have to pay for our sins. Jesus paid for our sins. Jesus is the great sacrifice, the great scapegoat for the sin of the world. At the cross, God balanced the scales of justice. So in Isaiah 118, it says, Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. So we can be forgiven. God shows us his grace. 
God makes it possible for us to come into a right relationship with him, not by making ourselves perfect, but by coming to Jesus, by receiving Jesus' ultimate sacrifice on the cross, by acknowledging our need and believing upon the Lord. And when we do that, then the Holy Spirit can start to change us. Then the Holy Spirit can make us more Christ-like. As we read scripture and we start to learn what it is to honor God and to please the Lord and to live as a Christ follower that makes a difference in the world, then we start to experience joy and satisfaction. And sometimes we can use all the bad stuff in the past to be a great testimony of God's faithfulness to us. And people look at our lives and say, wow, your life was messed up. My life's not even as messed up as yours, but I, I need to be forgiven like that too. I want to change like that too. I want to follow the Lord like that too. Number four, God calls you to faith. God calls you to faith. So um, here in this passage, we're going to see that um, Jacob and Reuben are not exactly faithful. Jacob and Reuben um, aren't necessarily filled with hope, optimism, and faith. But we can be when we understand what's going on. And if they knew what was going on in the story, they might have been more faithful too. But this is their resolve. So when they came to their father Jacob, so then the brothers came back. When they came to their father Jacob in the land of Canaan, they told him all that had happened to them. They said, the man who is Lord over the land spoke harshly to us and treated us as though we were spying on the land. But we said to him, we are honest men. We are not spies. We were 12 brothers, sons of one father. One is no more. And the youngest is now with our father in Canaan. Then the man who is Lord over the land said to us, this is how well I will know whether you are honest men. Leave one of your brothers here with me and take food for your starving households and go. But bring your youngest brother to me so I will know that you are not spies but honest men. Then I will give, you back your, give your brother back to you and you can trade in the land. As they were emptying their sacks, there in each man's sack was his pouch of silver. When they and their father saw the money pouches, they were frightened. Their father Jacob said to them, You have deprived me of my children. Joseph is no more, and Simeon is no more, and now you want to take Benjamin. Everything is against me. Well, did not his father Isaac or his grandpa Abraham tell him how much God was on their side? When you're in the midst of a difficult circumstance and everything seems to be falling apart, it's really hard to have faith and to look up and say, God's got this. Joseph is a perfect example of somebody that went through some really hard times because God did have it. God was working out his plan. And even here, God's working out his plan, and Jacob doesn't see it. Then Reuben said to his father, You may put both of my sons to death if I do not bring him back to you. Entrust him to my care, and I will bring him back. But Jacob said, My son will not go down there with you. His brother is dead, and he is the only one left. If harm comes to him on the journey you are taking, you will bring my gray head down to the grave in sorrow. I think Reuben realized how hurt his dad was when Joseph supposedly died. And now to take Joseph's brother with him, um, and then take that son would totally destroy his dad. So he's trying to say, well, you know, you can, you can, you can kill your grandsons if you want, if I, don't bring, if I don't bring him back, which probably isn't helpful. So, but Jacob, he had four complaints, four anxieties, four laments. One, Joseph is no more, and that was not true. Simeon is no more, and that is not true. And you would take Benjamin 
which is untrue. And all these things are against me. That is untrue because God is at work and he is going to take care of every one of those things. He's about to do something wonderful beyond his wildest dreams. He's going to restore his precious beloved Joseph and raise him and the whole family to a, a dignified, um, to dignity, honor, and royalty. So these things aren't against him. They are for him. So faith, faith is the statement of your life you make about your God. Faith trusts God because God is trustworthy. Faith keeps hope because God fulfills hope. Faith reposes in the will of God because God's will is best. Faith relaxes because God is in control. We can read backwards from your faith to see what you believe about God. And Jacob believed it was all bad. And Reuben too. But we can have confidence that God is for us. We can have confidence and the first thing we can have confidence is that we are righteous through Christ. By believing in Christ, that we are saved. Um, well, that's really small. Uh, Philippians 3. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Paul is saying that it doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done or what the past is, that you can be forgiven and have Christ's righteousness in your life. In the next verse, uh, we're confident we are free from condemnation. The next verse is, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Are you in Christ Jesus? If you're not, you could pray something like, Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that you lived among us, that you lived a perfect life, that you died on the cross for our sins, that you rose again, and that by believing in you, placing my faith in you, uh, turning from my sin and turning to you, that I can be forgiven. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my life and change me. I want to follow you. And for the rest of us who are Christ followers, help us to have more faith, even in the bad times. Help us to trust you, even when we can't see how you're working things out for your good. Help us to be quick to confess to you any known sin. And if we're struggling with something from the past and we can't seem to accept forgiveness, even as we read your word, to get help, to get a Christian counselor to help, uh, to find help so that we can be set free and get closure. So we can experience closure from our sinful past. So we can experience closure from our regrets, from the things that we did do or the things uh, that we should have done that we didn't do, that we would find forgiveness. Help us to find that like Joseph's brothers are. So we pray he'd bless us as we go from here in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope this message from Pastor Chris Tyen at Rockwell Church has encouraged you in your faith. Join us next Sunday at 1015 a.m. in person or watch online. We are located on Highway 53 at 93 Midway Drive in Virginia, Minnesota. To find out more and to let us know how we can pray for you, go to our website at rockwell.church.